And good morning, Mike Broomhead. Good morning, Jamie. Have you been a part of the training here where we have been told, even in our private social media accounts, we represent the company? Yes, of course. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I was just curious. But, but, Apparently, they don't have that kind of training over at the governor's yeah, office. And I would say that you and I also have loads of common sense. And this, I seems, agree. To be, this <laughs> seems to be more of a common sense issue, certainly the timing of it. Um, and I, I agree. I couldn't agree with you more, Jamie. Thank you. Um, social media posts from Governor Hobbs' spokesperson invoking gun violence sparks uproar is the headline. This is the most out-of-touch thing I've seen in a long time. This puts the governor in a bad spot. You will not hear me defend um, a lot of people. But in this case, I, I almost feel bad for the governor because of the way – I don't know what she's going to do to handle this. This is her spokesperson in the in the wake, in the shadow of – Three dead children and three dead adults, including including the principal of the school who apparently was so heroic, she ran toward the gunfire to protect children. In light of all of that, you tweet out a picture of a woman holding two guns, a woman holding two guns. And make a statement that says, um, let me I'm going to read it, that um, us when we see. Uh, transphobes. Uh, she went on to, she said things like this. She posted earlier in the day on Monday about transgender rights and progressive politics. Say, if you work in the progressive community and are transphobic, you're not progressive. So here's, here's my issue. People, uh, 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 this idea of what is the definition of woke? And, and there was someone that got tripped up on it. They couldn't even define it. So somebody asked me, Define woke. And I said, woke is when you tell me what I think based on the words I say. So I can tweet something out and you tell me what it means. I may not mean that at all, but you believe I do. So you get to define everybody's stance in life. So she is telling other progressives, other Democrats, she is telling them, if you disagree with me on this specific issue, by the way, she also gets to define what a transphobe is. So if I disagree, if I disagree with a drag show, there's another picture today of a drag show in a school. And there is a man dressed as a woman, it's a drag queen, dressed as a woman, dressed very sexily, and is giving a lap dance to a high school student. It's online. It's today. Uh, uproar about this. And I thought, that makes me a transphobe. And this person may not be trans, but if they are trans, I'm, at this case, maybe I'm a dragphobe because I don't want children around drag shows. They define in their minds. I don't care what they think. You know, I, somebody told me that my position, uh, I have no right uh, to be pro-life because of my stance on guns. And I said, says who? You? Someone in the Twittersphere gets to tell me what I can and can't say. This is laughable on so many levels. It goes much deeper than somebody saying something stupid. There's a pattern here. There is a pattern, and it is. And, and I'll be honest, I know a lot of people. I love Twitter, by the way. I like it. It doesn't matter when it's some anonymous. I always use Slappy six eighty seven because that's usually the anonymous Twitter handle. You can't. Most of these people 
that are so courageous in their their vitriol that they um, they are they're anonymous and they and then they think they're doing some good. They think that they're helping society by lashing out at people on Twitter. It's their one place where they can hide in their mom's basement. But this isn't someone doing that. This is the spokesperson for the governor of our state. And there's a pattern here. She gets to tell people what a transphobe is. She gets to define it. She gets to tell people in her own political party and people of her own political ideology, if you believe this way, you're not one of us. I want to tell you something. We've been hearing this about the Republican Party for a long time now. We keep hearing about the MAGA Republicans and how horrible they are and exclusionary they are, and they're dividing the Republican Party. We've been hearing this forever. I'm a Republican, and I've been the victim of a little bit of that because of my stance on the uh, the audit. This was such horrible timing. It was a female shooter. The trans community I'm hearing is outraged that we are not we are mis, we are not using her appropriate pronouns. But everybody is saying this is a female. A woman goes into an elementary school at a church and guns down six people and then stands in a window on the second floor and shoots at police cars that are pulling into the building, into the property. And she tweets out a picture of a woman holding two guns. Now, you can go down the gun control road and you can say how hypocritical that this is the group of people that are anti-gun and yet this is what they say they're going to do. You can talk about the fact that there's got to be some symbolism here and that this is a woman with those guns after three nine-year-olds were murdered. But this is a pattern, and it's a pattern with not just her, but people that believe this way. They absolutely believe that they can tell you what somebody else means and what somebody else thinks. They know it, and then their definition sticks. If she went online and said, I am a transphobe, then it's that's it. It's done. It's a done deal. I am labeled a transphobe. I don't care about cancel culture because I don't care if you cancel me. I don't. Cancel me. I know who I am. I am I'm fair. I'm very opinionated, but I don't go after people to insult people. I try to have reasonable conversations, and I make mistakes like everybody else does. But if you want to try to cancel me online like this person yesterday that told me I no longer have the right to say that I'm pro-life, who do I care what that person thinks? And I don't care what the governor's spokesperson thinks other than to say this. This is a national news story. She represents the governor who represents All of us. And this puts the governor in a very precarious position because she's only been in office a short time. What's she going to do? I mean, if she doesn't fire this woman or this woman doesn't resign because she doubled down and then I think she made her tweets private or whatever. And you got to be now be friends with her to see her tweets. And this is not a new occasion. If you are going to be consistent, I try to be as intellectually honest as I can. I I try to call out people when I think it's wrong, even on my side. This is not going to start well for the governor. If the governor allows this to go on without A, addressing it, and B, doing something about it.
Now, I don't call for the firing of people. It's not my in my nature. You make a mistake. But she didn't apologize. She didn't come out and say what I did was horribly tone deaf. The timing of what I did couldn't have been worse. In my passion, she's a spokesperson. In my passion to defend trans people, I made a horrible mistake in doing something and showing my emotion. Of course, I don't think violence is the right thing to do. I mean, the whole thing writes itself if you're truly sorry for what you did. There's been no apology. There's been nothing. There's been nothing but silence. Delete the tweet, protect your account where people can't see your tweets anymore unless you're friends and nobody can just follow you. They have to be approved. Do all of those things and then ignore it. If you ignore this, and I mean this sincerely, if the governor ignores this, it'll go away until next time, until somebody in the governor's office lashes out at somebody on the right that says or does something stupid on social media. Remember the remember where the mean tweets came from. Now, I and, and to be fair, let's just to be fair about this. I called out the former president for some of the things he said. Admittedly, I voted for him twice. I'm not a hater, but I called him out and said that was inappropriate. What you said about John McCain being captured and I like people that weren't captured was a horrible thing to say about POWs across the country. Not a word yet. So, yes, you're going to hear the Republicans in the legislature, and they should, for political purposes and for every other purpose, call this out and demand action. Where are the Democrats? This is your time. If you hate horrible tweets, if you hate mean tweets, if you hate the vitriol on social media, if we need to police social media and start censoring people because of hate speech, where are you? This is your time to stand up and say wrong is always wrong. It's not always right and left. Sometimes it's right and wrong. And this is wrong. Now's your time. The Republicans like me and others are going to do it. We're going to stand up and say this is inappropriate. Something's got to be done. This is horrible. And we're all right. Where are the Democrats? This is your time. Stand up. Tell the governor you got to do something about this. Then at least you're being intellectually honest and consistent about people that say hateful things on Twitter. Coming up in a moment, a a great interview. Our own Taylor Kinnerup is going to join me. Um, She is the managing editor here at KTAR News. We are running a series about prison reform and what they are finding out about the Arizona prison system. And it's going to be a great interview because something is things need to be done and are happening. We'll get to it coming up here in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. I want to direct you to KTAR.com. There is a story about the governor sitting down with KTAR News, talking about prison priorities, prison reform. Joining us right now is the managing editor here at KTAR News, Taylor Kinnerup. Um, let's start with the backstory here. Uh, what led the newsroom down this road of this series of stories? I mean, there were... A lot of things. This is a story we've been following for months. Uh, It's kind of started with Twitter. It started with just kind of a rumbling of prisoners are using drugs. And 
it became something that Taylor Tassler, who I worked on this story with, uh, she and I would speak about it all the time. We would come and speak with you because we know you have a lot of law enforcement connections. Hey, is this something you're hearing? What's the validity to anything like this? Uh, and it was it was kind of one of those drugs in prison seems kind of like the worst kept secret in history mm-hmm. because of how it's portrayed in movies and TV shows. And people see this all the time that it's kind of is there even a story here? And it really ended up being an interest that was piqued that ended up being in the right place at the right time. Um, During the election cycle last year, I was in the newsroom at all hours of the day, it felt like. But when former President Barack Obama was in town, I worked that evening shift. I'd work a split shift. I was in in the morning and then I came back at night. And it was really me and maybe one or two other people in the newsroom. But right when uh, the former president was getting ready to speak. Our police scanners started going crazy in the newsroom, and we mostly ignore them now. But then we started getting kind of notifications from the scanner traffic we get um, about overdoses. And when I looked up the address that they were calling to, it was the Buckeye Prison, um, it, the Lewis Prison in Buckeye, rather. And it kind of confirmed all these things that we had been looking into that how does an overdose happen without drugs? How does this happen inside of a state prison? And we started calling people we knew behind the scenes and people off the record were willing to tell us a lot. The hardest part of the story was finding people who were willing to talk to us on the record. See, that's what's so uh, difficult about this because I think we all understand that it happens. Contraband gets into prison, but we assume that it's being smuggled in many times by guests or or family members of inmates. But there's other ways people are concerned that possibly we saw in Maricopa County at one of their facilities, the sheriff acted very swiftly with scanners because they found out that in at least one case, it was an officer bringing in. Are you hearing any of that? So that's what I think is so fascinating about this series is this one event has led us to to a new administration that has been really willing to speak with us and uh, tomorrow Taylor Tassler will have another long form series sitting down with our new prison director for the state uh, Director Thornell who openly dealt with this when he was in the Maine Department of Corrections, when he was in the state of Maine, and now uh, that he's here in Arizona, he has openly admitted to us that, yes, this is happening, and it can come in a lot of different ways. He listed mail rooms. He said even staff is a possibility, but what he really doubled down on was that this is a not a singular problem, that there are many routes that this could happen and that there are many holes in the system. And he's really working on getting that airtight system. So this isn't as feasible. The managing editor of KTAR News is joining us, Taylor Kinnerup. Um, we're talking about prison, the, the need for prison reform, because the number of overdoses, overdoses that we are finding out about, especially with the fentanyl epidemic that's happening inside of prisons is, is a lot larger than most people would know. I think it's just the fact that it is happening is what is so staggering because it, these are supposed to be secure facilities. These are supposed to be areas where people are going because they were using these drugs outside of these walls. So the fact that they're in walls when you are supposed to be, uh, as the name would suggest, um, uh, rehabilitated and avail- eventually able to reenter society, you can't be rehabilitated if you're being enabled by those same vices within those walls. So the fact that it is happening is staggering. And what directly 
Director Thornell told Taylor Tassler is that it, he wouldn't um, characterize it as rampant, but it does happen. So the what's what's interesting now the the interview with the governor and the story about that is up at KTAR.com. Tomorrow it will be the new prison director. Correct? Will be up there. Correct. And so this series is going to continue this week and be pretty eye opening for people. And I just wanted to let people know that this is out there. It's an important issue. And what great work you guys are doing in the newsroom on it. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. Yes, uh, I think this will be a really eye opening series. And uh, what I think is so important here is that our newsroom really is doubling down and saying this isn't just a one time thing that we are going to watch because we have this story. This is um, continued accountability that we are going to continue to follow up with leaders. We are planning to speak again with Director Thornell uh, after more things have been implemented to see if they are working. So uh, this is a promise from KTAR to the public that we are going to continue to watch this. Taylor, I appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. All right, that's Taylor Kinner up. Uh, coming up in just a moment, Gatos joins me, and it's the Big Q poll question of the day. The Gatos Big Q poll question, brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. What's up, Gatos? Ah, oh, tonight is the night, maybe. Oh, maybe? <laughs> maybe. Okay, what night is that? I mean, it's Wednesday. Uh, it's it's it possibly could be a good night. Kevin Durant is. Uh, oh yes, KD. He yes. Do you remember the guy that we traded for about three <laughs> months ago, and he scored like five points. <laughs> uh, I, they were talking about this this morning. I was watching ESPN when I was getting ready for work. They were talking about this very topic. Uh, well, here's my cue. Kevin Durant is set to make his long-awaited Suns home debut again. Now, remember the, how it went the last time. He slipped on something, and he hasn't played since. So here's the cue. I think, A, put him in a you know bubble wrap. I, I'm for that. Uh, B, put him in bubble wrap and place him in an actual bubble because <laughs> we have to keep him healthy. Uh, C, ease him back in. Play him for a minute and give him the rest of the night off. Uh, and then D, I think we can all agree, don't let him warm up. He could miss another month. <laughs> The only player I've ever seen warm up and get injured and then not play again. So if I'm the Suns, I put him in a bubble, then I put bubble wrap around it, I play him for one minute, let the crowd go crazy, and I don't let him warm up, and then maybe he'll play tonight, but I don't think he will. I think um, I think you're right. I, I think, and this is a horrible analogy, but professional athletes, superstar athletes are like race cars or they're like uh, race horses. They are yeah. so spectacular at what they do, but they also at times are fragile. One little problem can cost you yeah. everything, and it's, it's, yeah. it's tough for them to be able to keep their bodies, and people don't realize how big they are in basketball. He's huge. Until yeah, you're in a game. Huge. They are massive people. So just anything like that in a joint, it's just tough. And I, I'm with you, man. I'm I'm hoping he comes back. I want to see them make a deep run. And and But it's it's going to be nerve-wracking. It, everybody's going to be watching every layup during warm-ups for sure. I wouldn't let him warm up. There's no way. And if this guy comes up with like a hangnail and then he doesn't play today, I think we cut him. Cut him? <laughs> I, I, listen, I'm, just, I'm done. I mean, if you can't get back on the court tonight. I, trade him? I, you know what? No, I just cut him. And let's just move on. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. I don't know. We've got somebody to fill in for him. He can score eight points a game. It'll be, it's more eight, eight more points than Durant scoring a, a game. Yeah, but he is such a talent, man. Yeah, he's awesome. I, I can't he, wait to awesome. see him at full strength. 
points because he is really a, he is a game changer for any team he goes on to. He's one of the best players in basketball history, and he's just had some bad luck since coming to the Suns. I know we're making fun of him, but if he gets back out there, you know, it's kind of what you said. Uh, the Suns could make a deep run in the playoffs. But, you know, the other thing is if he doesn't get out there and they don't start meshing as a team, they could be a first-round loss. And by the way, they're only three games out of the playoffs if yeah. they lose, start yeah. losing. So, I mean, they're close to, to the eighth seed. So, But hopefully he gets in there and plays tonight, for crying out loud. It's a great question, man, and I'm looking forward to that game tonight. No, me too. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks, Gatos. That's Gatos, and the Big Q poll question of the day is brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. You can go to KTAR.com. You can weigh in and see how other people have voted. Just after 9 o'clock, we are going to talk about the governor's veto. She has vetoed the grocery tax ban for cities. Is this the right thing to do? We'll talk about the reasoning that the governor has given. Is this a good thing, or would this have helped lower-income families? We'll get to that coming up here in a moment.